This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 377 for Thursday, November 16th, 2023. And in today's episode, I'm talking about infrared photography, what it is, and how can you do it? So infrared, or IR photography, as it is called for short, is something I have always wanted to get into for a while now. And I've seen other posts uh, from photographers of their IR images and some of the photography groups that I am in, and it has always intrigued me. The look to an IR photograph is so unique and interesting to me, to me anyways. Some people find them interesting. Some people think they look weird or out of place or whatever the case may be. But I've always been intrigued by it. So this past week, I bought myself an IR converted Fujifilm X-T1 from KEH so that I could start playing around in this new-to-me style of photography. But what exactly is IR photography? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to give you all of those details. So sit back with your favorite beverage and let's dive into this, shall we? First of all, infrared photography allows you to capture images that go beyond ordinary visual experiences. Now, thanks to the magic of infrared or IR, you can imbue your images with breathtaking colors, tones, and contrast. But what is infrared photography? And how can you use infrared techniques to get great shots? Many photographers, both seasoned and new, find themselves intrigued by IR's creative possibilities, but they have no idea where to start. Fortunately, capturing gorgeous infrared images is much more accessible than you might think. Now, whether you're a hobbyist looking to explore a new artistic avenue or a professional seeking to enhance your portfolio, IR is absolutely within your grasp. So let's look at the four steps we'll talk about in detail today. And those are essential IR photography gear for both beginners and advanced photographers, key infrared photography camera settings, simple post-processing techniques to ensure your photos look amazing, and tips and tricks for top-notch results. But first of all, what is infrared photography? Infrared photography uses infrared light to create beautiful images. Note that infrared waves are a form of electromagnetic radiation that lies below the visible spectrum. Humans cannot see infrared light, but camera sensors can. And this IR sensitivity can be used to create images. Now, that being said, cameras aren't well-equipped to capture infrared wavelengths. 
After all, they're designed to use visible light, not IR light. So infrared imaging requires special filters or adjusted camera sensors. Now, if you've encountered infrared images, you'll immediately notice that the look stands out. And while some find it eerie, others are intrigued by the way the IR can look, uh, look can transform the ordinary. But what are some of the best subjects for IR photos? Well, infrared techniques can transform ordinary subjects into something magical. While it's suitable for various subjects, there are a few in particular that stand out. Landscapes and nature scenes are popular choices among IR photographers. Foliage can produce a wide array of tones, resulting in shots that are haunting, yet touched with a subtle sense of realism. Skies and water, with their vast and open spaces, also turn out beautifully in infrared. Now, portraits of people might seem like an infrared no-no. People often look unsettling in infrared. But with the right approach, you might discover a unique way to capture human subjects. And buildings, especially under high-contrast light, can look fascinating in infrared. So at the end of the day, don't restrict yourself to a few subjects, specific subjects. Instead, experiment with as many subjects as possible. Analyze the results afterwards. Infrared photography is all about breaking boundaries and seeing the world in new light. So let's look at some infrared photography gear. Now, to shoot infrared photos, you'll need standard photography equipment, a camera, and a lens. But you'll also need to create the infrared effect, which you can do in one of three ways. First, you could use an infrared filter. Second, with a professionally converted infrared camera. Third, with infrared film. So let's take a look at each of these three options in a little bit more detail. First, we have infrared filters. Now, if you're just starting to explore infrared photography, an IR filter is the cheap and convenient way to go. Simply place it in front of your lens and it'll allow infrared light to hit your camera sensor while blocking out all visible light. The results can be very nice. Now, there are plenty of options out there ranging from screw-on to slide-in filter systems. Now, the one I recommend that seems to be a really good one is the Hoya RM72. This is a super popular screw-on infrared filter and is a great introductory option to the world of infrared. And you'll find a link to this particular filter uh, in the show notes uh, for today's episode. It is an affiliate link to Amazon. Just to let you know, um, if you click the link and buy one through my affiliate link, it doesn't cost you anything more. It's the same price, uh, but it does give a few cents to the show. Now, note that different filter filters render color differently. So depending on the specific IR and visible light ranges they filter in and out, the results are inconsistent from filter to filter. So don't think all filters are the same. And that can be extremely frustrating if you want your IR photos to look like everyone else's. But the silver lining is that you can experiment with different filters until you find the one that suits 
your artistic vision. So keep that in mind. Next, we have a converted infrared camera. Now, if you are truly committed to infrared photography, then you should consider purchasing a dedicated infrared camera body. Now, as far as I'm aware, no DSLR or mirrorless manufacturers produce infrared cameras. But you can send off a camera body that you already own to be converted by a third-party company. Alternatively, you can buy an already converted IR camera used on eBay or KEH or MPB or any of those other sites or from an IR conversion dealer. And I'll give you a link in the show notes to, I think I, want, I know of at least one IR conversion dealer. Then um, you could also send your existing camera off to them and for a fee, have them convert it. Now, when a visible light camera is converted to capture infrared, the infrared blocking filter, which sits in front of your sensor, is removed. It's certainly more expensive than purchasing a $75 filter, but the benefits include convenience and consistency to your images. Now, please note, once a camera has been converted, its sole use is for infrared photography. You cannot take regular images anymore. So buying a dedicated infrared body involves purchasing a second camera body, unless, of course, you want to fully dedicate yourself to infrared photography only. And you probably don't want to do that. So you're going to need a second camera body. Now, the third possibility is infrared film. Infrared film is readily available and relatively cheap too. So you might consider purchasing an inexpensive SLR, grabbing some IR film and testing the infrared waters. Unfortunately, keep in mind that developing infrared film is tough. For one, not all labs can handle infrared film, and it generally costs more to process as well. So you'll need to do careful research and cost-benefit analysis before grabbing an infrared film setup to decide whether or not it's going to be feasible for you. Because it may be and it may not be. So just keep that in mind. Now. What are the camera settings to use for infrared photography? Well, selecting the perfect IR camera settings involves a lot of trial and error. And while nothing beats proper experimentation, here are some guidelines to get you started. First of all, use both RAW and JPEG. When you start out, Shoot both RAW and JPEG files. You won't be capturing thousands of shots, so space shouldn't be an issue. And RAWs and JPEGs each offer valuable benefits. On the first hand, RAW files give you the most scope when processing, and infrared photos do require significant edits. A RAW file will let you recover blown-out highlights and clip shadows, which is essential for infrared photography as the right exposure settings can be tough to nail down. On the other hand, JPEGs are easily viewable, so you can see the results of your infrared photos on your computer screen without any processing. Now, it's important to emphasize, though, straight out of the camera infrared photos can look horrible. At first, you'll probably be turned off by their flat, pink appearance, but over time, you'll get used to it. 
and you'll soon develop the skills to identify a good IR image from a bad IR image at a glance. Now, one thing I do want to put in here, though, is from my experience thus far, and I haven't had a chance to use my setup a lot yet, I don't get the super overly pink images with my camera. So this might be more on the filter side. I don't know because I haven't tried doing it, the filter technique. Um, so I just did want to throw that in there as well, just to let you know. Um, I haven't personally experienced that with my current setup. Now, infrared exposure settings. When you're exposing for infrared photos, all common wisdom goes out the window. You can't trust your camera's meter, you can't trust handheld meters, and you simply need to take some test shots. Preview the results on your LCD and keep going until you get good results. Now, if you're using a mirrorless camera, you don't need to look at the LCD. You can see the results in your viewfinder in real time. Um, you can see your exposure as you're setting it up. Now, I'd recommend you take careful notes. That way, as you progress, you'll start to figure out the right settings for the look that you're after. Now, infrared filters require extremely long exposure times. They block out visible light, but don't let any extra infrared light through. So on a bright sunny day, you'll often work with exposure times between 30 and 120 seconds, assuming you're shooting at F8. And so, of course, here, a tripod is going to be absolutely essential. Now, I'm going to take a short break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. If you have questions, comments, or requests for topics or future guests you'd like to hear on the show, you can email me at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. Also, be sure to check out the liamphotographypodcast.com Facebook group, and you can find me on Twitter at liamphotoatl. You can tweet the show just just insert the hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. Okay, so if your camera is infrared converted, then your settings will be much more standard. On sunny days, you might shoot at f8 and 1 125th of a second, though the settings will vary depending on the light. Whether you use a filter or an IR converted body, review your photos constantly, especially in the beginning. As soon as you've taken a shot, check the LCD and view the image histogram. You might consider bracketing your photos to increase your chances of capturing a nice exposure. So what about post-processing your infrared photos? Well, as previously mentioned, when you shoot, raw infrared images, you'll get a dull pinkish red image, and it's not a great look. Fortunately, processing an IR file is fairly easy, and here's what I recommend. Start with an auto-tone. This is a common way to handle infrared images. Simply import your file into, say, Photoshop, and apply auto-tone, hit image, and then auto-tone. Now, Photoshop will analyze your image, then it will make a series of adjustments for the best results, at least the best results according to Photoshop. Often, this looks pretty good. Now, at this point, 
you could continue processing your infrared photo like a normal image. That is, you could proceed with a normal editing workflow, or you could proceed to the second step. And step two is do a channel swap. Now, to get natural blue skies, you'll need to channel swap your colors. And here, the goal is to take one channel, e.g. red, and convert it to a completely different channel, e.g. blue, which is simple to do. Create a new channel mixer layer, so layer, new adjustment layer, channel mixer, then adjust the red, green, and blue channels until you get the results you're after. But while channel swapping can be an essential part of infrared photography processing, photographers disagree over which channels to swap to what values. And there's no one right answer because it's all about looks and personal taste. Now, here are a few common channel swap values, and you can experiment until you find the one that works for you. So changing the red and blue channels only, red channel, you could set red to zero, green to zero, and then blue to 100. And then blue channel, you can set red to 100, green to zero, and blue to zero. And then changing all the channels, you could go red, zero, green, zero, blue, 100. And then blue channel, you could go red, 100, green, zero, blue, zero. And then for the green channel, you can go red, zero, green, 100, blue, zero. And then another creative option could be for the red channel, go red, zero, green, zero, blue, 100. Blue channel, you can go red, 100, green, 100, blue, minus 100. And then for the green channel, you could go red, zero, green, zero, blue, 100. The, those are just some ideas. And you, you'll be able to find all this in the show notes. So don't worry if you couldn't follow that or jot that all down. You'll be able to, you'll, you'll be able to go and look at it in the show notes. So no worries. Now, step three, you're going to do any final edits. At this point, you finished all specialized infrared post-processing, but you can still feel free to add final touches that you would like to add to any of your images. For instance, you might consider cropping, adjusting the saturation, maybe do a little dodging and burning or add a vignette. It really all comes down to your personal taste. And as always, experiment, experiment, experiment. Now, how about some infrared photography tips and tricks? Now that we've covered the basic concept of infrared photography, let's delve into the tips and tricks of the trade. By implementing these techniques, you can start capturing images that stand out and reflect your creative vision. Number one, keep a journal. Infrared photography can be both thrilling but also unpredictable. You'll have moments when everything just clicks and others when the results are less than stellar. That's why keeping a journal of your successes and failures is very vital. Write detailed notes as you review your images after each shoot. What worked? What didn't work? What could you have done differently next time? If possible, try to jot down notes while you're out shooting as well. This practice will provide valuable insights when evaluating your photos later on. But don't worry if writing while on location doesn't appeal to you. A voice recorder can serve the same purpose, allowing you to take auditory notes for review down the line. And a lot of smartphones these days have voice memo apps built into them. 
By keeping a consistent journal, whether in written or audio form, you'll refine your technique, better understand your camera, and ultimately enhance your infrared photography skills. Number two, play with different compositions. The magic of infrared photography goes far beyond the surreal colors it can produce. It's a creative process. And to get the most out of it, you need to think deeply about composition. Now, here I'm talking about the way the elements within your photos are arranged. When you're just starting out with infrared, the rule of thirds can be very helpful. It's simple enough that you can focus on the technical aspect of infrared shooting, but it's powerful enough to keep your compositions looking good. How do you use the rule of thirds? Well, imagine your image is divided into nine equal parts by two vertical and two horizontal lines. Now try to position your main subject a third of the way into the frame. But don't stop there. Experiment with other compositional techniques like symmetry, negative space, and the rule of odds. Adding lots of empty space or empty sky can look especially interesting in infrared. And one more thing, infrared photography offers unique tones and colors. So it's important that you don't forget or don't think about your shots in color and only later make the mental switch to infrared. As you look through the camera viewfinder, envision the scene as a processed infrared photo and compose accordingly. At first, this is going to be challenging, but over time, you'll learn to, quote, see infrared like a pro. Number three, try black and white conversion. Now, you probably associate infrared photos with wild, otherworldly colors. After all, most photographers create color infrared shots. But have you considered black and white? While a black and white conversion isn't the most popular way to process infrared files, grayscale infrared shots can look astounding. As with standard color photos, black and white won't always work, but when it does, the results will be quite remarkable. So try a black and white conversion when processing your IR shots. If all goes well, the monochrome look will add a level of depth and intensity, and tonal inversions in foliage will result in mesmerizing contrast. Number four, look at the work of other infrared photographers. You don't have to journey into infrared photography alone. There are countless talented infrared photographers out there whose work can inspire and guide you. Platforms like Instagram, Flickr, and 500px are brimming with exceptional infrared shots. Browse through them and find a handful of IR shooters to follow. Then spend plenty of time looking through their work. Analyze different styles and techniques. You might stumble upon a novel approach that resonates with you and at the very least you'll get a better envisioning you'll get better at envisioning different infrared possibilities remember every photographer has a unique style by exploring the work of others you not only get inspired but also discover what you might want to achieve in your own ir photography it's a learning process that can significantly enrich your skills and creativity Number five, experiment constantly. Infrared photography thrives on the art of experimentation. 
It's unpredictable, it's exciting, and it offers the world of creative opportunities. I cannot overemphasize how creating great infrared photography requires a willingness to take chances, waste shots, and experiment relentlessly. Head out frequently with your camera, exploring different types of lighting, compositional approaches, and settings. The unpredictability of infrared means you might stumble upon an incredible technique when you least expect it. And don't shy away from trying different editing techniques either. Sometimes a simple tweak in post-processing can turn an ordinary photo into something extraordinary. Infrared photography is all about exploration, so keep an open mind and embrace the unexpected. Now, for the final thoughts for today. Infrared photography is a growing photography niche, and it's a great way to capture creative images, get out of the photographic rut, and just have a lot of fun. I'd recommend you start off simple with filters. Then, if you still enjoy IR photos, graduate to a dedicated infrared camera body. Now, I hope this guide has shed some light on the techniques, tips, and subjects that can make your journey into infrared photography an exciting and fulfilling adventure. Now it's time to get out there with your camera, embrace the unknown, and let your creativity unfold. There is a world of unseen beauty waiting for you, and you are now ready to unlock it. Have you tried per uh, personally tried infrared photography? Do you think you'll purchase an IR filter or an IR camera? Share your thoughts and experiences in the comments on the podcast's Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you've tried, what's worked for you, what hasn't, and share some of your images. Absolutely, I would love to see your IR images. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap episode 377 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, turn on all notifications, and make sure you get your entry in for my latest giveaway for your chance to win a shift cam professional battery grip for your smartphone, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>